My name is Bengt. Don't try to pronounce it. It's a Swedish name. It comes from Benedictus. So me and the former Pope, we had the same name. <laughs> Unfortunately, he's retired now, so, but I still have that name. And I'm not the Pope. Uh, and I'm not retiring. I'm actually refiring. Can you say it like that? So uh, I have a word for you this morning. If you have the Bible with you, uh, go with me to Matthew chapter 8. And uh, let's go to verse 5. I'm going to talk about Jesus today. It says from verse 5, Now when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home, paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word and my servant will be healed. For also, I also am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go, and he goes. And to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to those who followed, Assuredly, I say to you, I've not found such great faith, not even in Israel. And I say to you that many will come from east and west and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the sons of the kingdom will be cast out in outer darkness. They will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus said to the centurion, Go your way, and as you have believed, so let it be done for you. And his servant was healed that same hour. Amen. Amen. Let's pray together. Please lift your hands. Father, I thank you. I thank you that we can be together here this morning. I thank you for the promise that you have given to us. That when we come like this to worship and magnify and exalt the name of Jesus. Then you have promised to be here through the presence of the Holy Spirit. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are God. I thank you that you are the resurrection power. I thank you that you are the teacher and the guide that leads and guides us into the whole truth. I ask you for the grace and the ability to be able to share your word in a way so that my friends here can receive it and in a way so that it's edifying and in a way so that Jesus Christ is being glorified here this morning. I pray that in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. You know, I really love to read about Jesus. Now, I happen to be extremely passionate about him. 
just like you are. Uh, and that doesn't leave when you get older. This year I'm one year older than last year. <laughs> and I guess you are the same. You don't look very old though, but that's the development in our life, isn't it? But you see, the love and the passion I have for Jesus is strong enough, and it was one year ago. It was very strong one year ago. So I wonder how it will be ten years from now. You see, Jesus is just marvelous, isn't he? And when you read about him in the Gospels, something always happens to you, doesn't it? It's kind of, you get warm on the inside. Do you ever get warm on the inside? You know, when I, when I, when I speak to my wife, I always get warm in, on the inside. It's like this heat, like, ooh, I like. I like to hear her voice. I like to be with her and all this stuff. I, don't, I cannot talk too much now because she's not here. But this is the truth. And it's the same with Jesus, you see. Uh, when you talk about Jesus, when you think about him, when you read about him, when you meditate on him and think about everything he has done for you, everything he has done in the past, everything he's doing in the Bible, something else happens within you, doesn't it? And another thing that happens within you is that faith arises. I don't like that. Faith arises. Because you know that what Jesus did then, he's going to do now. And another thing that happens is that you get wisdom and you get insight. You get revelation because you know the reason why it's registered, why it's written, what is written in the New Testament, in the Gospel, is so that you and I can receive and believe and understand and get revelation about how life here works. So I'm going to give you an insight today. It's my prayer. And I, I really believe that God's going to stir something up inside of you. Now this story is about one particular man and he's a Roman centurion. I don't know if we have any Roman centurions among us. I don't think so. Because that job doesn't exist anymore. The Roman Empire is not there anymore so we don't have any Roman centurion. But I study what a Roman centurion is and probably you probably maybe done that as well. He's an officer in the Roman army. Uh, and an officer in the Roman army, he had power and authority over at least 80 to 100 soldiers. And we know uh, by history that he was more than 30 years old. So some of you here would fit into that picture. And we know he was not married. Now, don't think like this if you're not married. Oh, that's what I'm going to be because I already told you. It's too late. So get married, for God's sake. Your call is not to be a Roman centurion. And we know that he has at least 10 years of service. And we know that this guy, some people liked him really. Not everyone liked him. Because if you were a Roman officer at that time, and you were stationed, was stationed in Israel, I promise you, it was not an easy life. Even if you had a good salary, you had like... You had a servant, we know you had a servant. You probably had a palace to live in and all of that stuff. But the people more or less hated you. Because you were considered an enemy of that place. And we also know about this man. If he is a faithful officer in the Roman army, then he must be a worshipper of the emperor. 
So, so he was a pagan, he was a heathen. And in one way, he had nothing to do with anything about church. Well, church actually didn't exist at that time. But he had nothing to do with Jesus. He was an outsider. Even though he was living there, he was an outsider. Now, he, he was there in Capernaum. And Capernaum at that time was the place, as we know, it was the ministry base where Jesus probably, most probably had a house. And we know that Jesus, he had a lot of influence in that city. A lot of healings took place, a lot of miracles. He casted out devils out of the synagogue, and people knew about him there. And he, on a regular basis, he came back to Capernaum. And of course, there were rumors about Jesus at that time, and those rumors were good rumors. I mean, I guess at least 80% of the rumors that was about Jesus were good. And the one that was not good was being spread by the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the religious guys at that time because they didn't like Jesus. But the rumors that was about Jesus, that Jesus can do everything new. The same rumors that is about him today, isn't it? The rumors that was about Jesus, that Jesus can heal anyone and he can do miracles. Same rumors that is about him today. So, of course, this Roman centurion had heard about this. And the Roman centurion, he had a problem. He had a problem, not in his family, because he was not married, so he didn't have his family. But he had a servant. Now, the Matthew here is very nice. He says he was a servant. But if we would translate it today, we would probably say he had a slave. Because to be a servant to a Roman centurion was being a slave. But this Roman centurion, obviously, he cannot like to servant. So it was the only family he had. And this servant was sick. So the Roman centurion decides he's going to find healing, going to find help in Jesus. So he comes to Jesus, and then this whole conversation starts. Now, I love this conversation because there's so much into it. We could spend a lot of hours here, actually, just studying the whole thing. But I'm going to emphasize something that Jesus says in the end. Because he, he's impressed, it says, he's actually impressed by this centurion. Now you need to understand that, I mean, there's only one time before in the Bible, or maybe it's after, that it says that Jesus marvels. And it is when he comes into Nazareth, and he sees all the unbelief that is in Nazareth. And he says he couldn't heal anyone, just a few healings he could do. And it was because of the unbelief. And he marveled because of the unbelief. And whenever it was the second time when Jesus marveled, and it's here in Matthew 8. And he says he marveled when he saw the faith that this Roman centurion had. Now, you being clever, just as I am, then we are very interested to find out. Now, what kind of faith is Jesus marveling about? So we're going to look at that faith a little bit today. It will not be a very long sermon, but it will be a sermon anyway and a few points. So if you want to take notes, you can take notes. You see, when it comes to faith, we need to understand this, and I'm sure you already know it, that there is no way that I can tell by the way you look whether you have faith or not. I mean, I can hardly see you in those lights anyway, but even if I could see all of your faces... I mean, I could not tell whether you have faith or not, because it's not written on you. Maybe you have a t-shirt called faith or something, but that doesn't impress me too much. Uh, you know, it, 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 I cannot say, by the way, look, if you have faith. 
Now, 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 the only way that I can see, and I'm not to judge or to, to, you know, to, to measure your faith. That's not my call. But the only way that I can see it is by the way it's expressed in your life, isn't it? And we know that we as believers, we have faith. This is very biblical. So faith is not something you're going to get hold of one day when you're good enough. You will never be good enough for faith anyway. That's why you need faith. So faith is something that is given from God. Actually, he has given a measure of faith. And that measure of faith is inside of you. And it's already active there. And you, maybe you're not even aware of it, but it's there. The day you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you also receive the spirit of faith. And you receive the nature of faith. You receive a measure of faith. And you say it's small, yes, and we know that. It's small as a mustard seed, but still, with that mustard seed faith, you can cast mountains into the sea. So you have enough, so to say. The faith is already there. But the only way that I can see it, and the only way that we can measure that faith, and we can kind of be impressed by that faith, or marvel about that faith, is by the way it's being expressed in your life. So if we want to learn something from this story, then we better learn how is that faith expressed in the life of this Roman centurion. So I'm going to give you a few, just very, very simple point. Please promise not to fall asleep, because I would not see, but I will anyway know in my spirit, and I walk down and I wake you up. <laughs> now the first thing we see about this Roman centurion, we understand that this Roman centurion is probably a very clever guy. I mean, he, he has an insight. He understands that Jesus is not just another religious guy. He understands that Jesus actually, he is God. He understands that Jesus has the ability and the power and the authority to do something about the situation with his servants. So it says in the Bible that the Roman centurion, he comes to Jesus. Now that is the first expression of faith we see in his life. He comes to Jesus. And of course, when he comes to Jesus, he expects Jesus to receive him. You must understand when the Roman centurion comes, he doesn't come alone. He's not coming as a little humble guy, you know, nobody see him. He's coming with, with, with bodyguards, with a lot of different things. And he's, he's a man of big stature. He's a tall guy like me. And people notified him. Some hated him, some loved him. But, but you know, he, he, actually he didn't have an access to Jesus. He, he had no right to go there. How many loved Jesus? Five people. Before this meeting is over, more people will lift their hands. <laughs> you know, I love Jesus for many different reasons. I love Jesus because you cannot put Jesus in a box. You see, you cannot tell Jesus what to do and not to do. Isn't that good news? I said, isn't that good news? Yeah. You know, you, know you, 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 might have, you might think, that, okay, we're going to control what Jesus is going to do now. He's going to be within this certain thing. But then when you try to do he's always coming and doing something else somewhere else. So the best for us to do is just to give him freedom and just let Jesus be the one he is. So here Jesus is coming. This Roman centurion is coming. I'm sure people are really in doubt whether Jesus would receive him or not, but, but, but Jesus is just standing there and I'm sure he has a smile on his face. You see, I learned this over the years. I've been following Jesus for more than 30 years. been preaching more than 30 years as well. So I started very early. 
But, uh, but I learned this over the years, you know, I've never seen Jesus despise anyone or reject anyone. And, 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 and what, what, what I learned is that, you know, when, when people are coming and they are looking for Jesus, when they are seeking Jesus, when they are coming close into his presence, people are amazed. They're actually shocked because they see the greatness of him. And they, they, see, they see the love that he has. They see the compassion he has. And they actually, they, they are blown their minds are blown up because, because they, they cannot understand. How can this man love me so much? I mean, I don't deserve this. How can he love me? I mean, I had this experience over and over again just a few weeks ago. I was in North Africa. I was in one of those places where you're not supposed to go. It's forbidden to preach there. It's forbidden to do anything that has to do with Christianity or faith there. It's a very, very, rich, uh, a very, very controlled place. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me last year and he said, I'm going to open up a door into that place for you. And then, fine, fine, now, a few months later, I had a door open up and now, a few weeks before now, I was there. And uh, we ended up in, it was a fantastic place, uh, right in the most Islamic, where all the radical Islamic guys are having their training things and stuff. Uh, Jesus is doing something marvelous. So we, we, we met up with... Uh, quite a big load of, of young former Muslim men and women who just received Jesus, who had just been baptized in the Holy Spirit and who is totally on fire for Jesus, who has a passion and a vision to reach this area, this nation with the gospel and who is really bringing the Arabic spring into the area. The other stuff didn't work. Only Jesus worked. So I was, we were spending a few days just preaching, teaching our heart out for those guys. It was lovely. And we had open meetings as well, uh, which is forbidden as well, by the way. So we break a lot of laws there, which I don't mind if it's okay with God. And it is. Don't look at me like that. I said, don't look at me like that. Try to smile and do something. I want to be encouraged. So we broke a lot of laws there, and I'm going to break more laws a few months from now. And I will do it with a smile on my face. Because I believe in revival. You know, I believe that every human being in this world has a right to at least one time hear the good news about Jesus. It is not fair. That we here in Britain can hear the gospel over and over again. You have so many different gospel channels. You have so many different Christian channels. So many churches in every street corner. You can, you can hardly avoid listening to the gospel. And then you have guys down there. And they don't have a chance to hear the gospel. And the only way to bring the gospel is to break laws. And if that is the only way, I break the law with a joy in my heart. Yes. Anyway, I was standing there in the afternoon preaching, and Muslims came into the meeting. I love Muslims. And they came in, and while I was preaching, suddenly a young woman, 25 years old, something like that, she stood up in the meeting. I was, and I, and I had a small pulpit, and I could sense that when she stood up, something was like starting happening. Not, not something dangerous, but something very good, because actually, the power of God was on his way. 
I know the power of God always resides in us, but you know, sometimes the power of God is revealed in a special way, and the glory of God is being revealed in a special way. And when the glory of God is being revealed in a special way, then something is starting happening. This is just a few weeks ago there. And, and, and then, then this woman, she stood up and she has four flat on her face and she starts sobbing and sobbing and sobbing. I was just standing there and I could sense the presence of God and I was thinking, what is going on here? So I asked her, what's happening? And she said to me, I see him. <clears throat> Sorry, I see him. <laughs> I can see him. I said, who do you see? I see this man you are talking about. Man, he's so big, she said. He's so big. He's so beautiful. I asked him to come into my life. And this big Jesus came into my life. And she stood up. You know, I have meetings and then I have meetings. And then there are meetings. And this was one of those meetings. She was just shining with the glory of God. And nobody had to say anything. Everybody knew. She has met him. You see, this was in the heart of this place where you are not supposed to talk about Jesus. Where actually there is a death penalty on your life if you follow Jesus if you convert to Christianity, they will see to you get killed after a while. But God is protecting them, of course. But you see, when I saw her and I, 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 I understood that she had met him and that he is so big and so great and so powerful. You know, I had myself an encounter with Jesus. Because we need to remind ourselves that actually Jesus, he is mega, mega big. He is mega, mega big. He is the greatest. He is he's not like you. I mean, you are not big enough. I mean, he is much bigger than you. He's much more powerful than you. He's much more powerful than me. He can do anything. And this is the Jesus we are talking about. This is the Jesus that this Roman centurion came to. And when he came to Jesus, remember now we are looking at how is, what is the expression of his faith? What can we learn from him? Well, the first thing we can learn, you already knew. The first thing we learn is that he, he was bold enough, even if he didn't have right to come to Jesus, according to the law, he came to Jesus. And Jesus received him. That's faith. He was breaking some boundaries there. Your faith will always break some boundaries. That's why the faith is there. Because the boundaries that are there, they are not there for you. Because you are created to live a different lifestyle. You are created to live a life that actually will mean something more for this world than what you ever could dream about. Now when this Roman centurion came to Jesus, what did he do? Now I love this because this is an expression of faith. And I love to see the man in action here. Because I learned over the years that you see an expression of faith... Is always outside yourself. One thing that I learned when I received Jesus many years ago, and, and I didn't know that in the beginning, but a few months later after my conversion, after I received Jesus, I remember myself saying to Jesus, thanking him, because I was so excited that I was dead. 
Now, some people think you're a bit weird if you say like that. And some people, when they talk about death, you know, death to yourself, death to your sin, death to your flesh, you have to crucify yourself, you have blah, blah, blah. You know, you can talk about that in a way so you, you almost think it's better to commit suicide than staying around this bunch. I'm not talking like that. You know, the best way, why I was so excited, I was excited that I die from my own life. And I'm still excited for that. Now, my life is not like, I'm not a bad guy, I mean. But I'm excited I don't have to live for myself anymore. You know what this Roman centurion did when he came to Jesus? He didn't present his own case. He didn't say, I mean, the guy must have had a problem himself. But he came to Jesus and he actually presented another person's case. His servant. He says, my servant is suffering. He is sick. I love that. That's an expression of faith. You know what your faith will do with you? Your faith will bring others to Jesus. Uh, I was a sh- very silent, yes. I said, your faith will bring others to Jesus. Your faith took yourself to Jesus, but then as a direct reaction after you standing there before Jesus, after Jesus been receiving you, after you having this life, then something new is happening. You realize, I am not going to keep this for myself anymore. This is too big for me alone. I need to give it to Others, I need to give it to somebody else. I need to bring others to Jesus. Oh no, don't talk about that, Bengt. That's why I avoided a seminar yesterday. I didn't want to hear about this. (laughs) Evangelism. Should have been here. A lot of you were here, sorry. And you know, the greatest joy... And one of of the most exciting things about being a Christian, at least I think so, is that you don't have a small life. You don't have to live a small life. You don't have to be concentrated around yourself all the time. But you actually, your heart has been widened. You you think in a different way. You see somebody suffering. You see somebody having a hard time. And you know, okay, I'm not perfect, but I know somebody who can deal with that problem. I know somebody. I know this Jesus. You know, you know, I know him. I know him. There is nothing impossible for him. I can bring whoever to him. I said I can bring whoever to him. He will never show them off. He will always be there. He's just the same today as he was yesterday. You know, that was an expression of his faith. Jesus saw that and he notified. The third thing we see, I like this. You know, Jesus responded fantastic. Jesus said, I will. I will come to your house. I will heal your servant. What a treat. I said, what a treat. That was no problem at all. He didn't look at the Roman centurion. Oh, no, no, you're not, you're not in my church. You know, you're something else. You know, I don't know. 
Oh, you no. You go somewhere else. You find your own. Go to the emperor, not to me. No, Jesus, I will. I will come to your house and I will heal your servant. That's it. And the response that this Roman centurion had. Listen to this. This is an expression of his faith. You know what he said? He said no. I said he said no. Why did he say no? He said no. I'm not worthy. That you come into my house. You know what I learned with faith? I'm a faith person. I live by faith. I eat by faith. I walk by faith. I drive on the wrong side by faith in England. I I even said Friday night, you know, I have stupid reading glasses. I'm wearing them by faith. I keep forgetting them all the time. Friday night, I I, uh, was in the restaurant where I stay. And I forgot those. And they showed me the menu. And I, I didn't want to, I didn't want to say that I need reading glasses. So I said, maybe you can read it for me. So the guy read it, but, but he, he, he spoke even worse English than I. <laughs> so I didn't hear what he said. So, and I was too tired. So I said, okay, I'll take this. I pointed. Have you ever done that? It's like out of the I pointed like that, bam. I said, I take this. And he looked at me. Oh, sure. I said, yeah, yeah, I take this, this. I had no idea what it was. I thought it's England. So probably it's like fishing ships or ships and fish or something like that. It's, and, and, and then after a while, it took quite a long time. They came with this. It was the most funny looking food I've ever seen in my life. And I said, I've seen a lot of stuff. It was a bird, but it was not a chicken. It was not a sparrow. It, was, it looked like a parrot or something like that. It didn't speak back to me. I tried it. And then it was a lot of big beans. That was the only thing. A parrot and some beans. And they looked at me. And I saw they were talking behind the corner. They were laughing at me. Because I pretended by faith. I don't eat those. I'm going to eat this parrot by faith. I don't care. And I couldn't sleep after that. But that's another story. But you see... So I'm a faith person. I, I, I know that we are supposed to live by faith. But I learned over the years that one expression of real faith, and I'm talking about real faith because I know there's fake faith and real faith. Now, fake faith is just something you put on the outside. Ba, 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 ba. Real faith is heart faith. And you know, with real heart faith, your heart faith is always connected with Jesus, isn't it? And you always come back on a daily basis, on a daily basis. I said on a daily basis, you come back to the point in your faith where you really acknowledge and you, you, you understand that without Him you can do nothing, but with Him you can do everything. So your faith is not your goodness, not your strength, not your ability in yourself. Yes, I'm a strong man. No, actually, what is happening with you when you walk with Jesus is that maybe you start up here and then you go down. Oh, what do you mean? I say that again. You start up here and you think, oh, I'm special. And then you go down. And then you're halfway down. And then you're down. And then you're a little bit more down. 
not emotionally or physically or anything like that, but you come to a point when you really, just like Paul before, his, before he is being beheaded in Rome, when he says, actually, I am the greatest sinner saved by grace. That was one of his last confessions. Now, what does that mean? Oh, you mean you don't believe in the righteousness of Christ? Of course I do. I said, of course I do. I believe we are a new creature in Christ Jesus. Of course I believe that. You don't believe that we can do everything in him? Oh, yes, I know, and I do it. Oh, you don't believe that, 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 that we are above and not under? Yes, I believe we are above and not under, but, but not in ourselves. I said, not in ourselves. You know, I learn in life that this side of your Christian life, where you, on a regular basis, you come back to the point and you realize, I'm not worthy in myself, but I am worthy because Jesus Christ, He has paid the price for me. That is the foundation for my faith, always. I said that is the foundation for my faith, always. Without Him, I can do nothing, but with Him, in Him, I can do everything. So when the Roman centurion said, I am not worthy that you come under my roof, he was right. I said, he was right. Faith always speaks the truth. But then he continues. He says to Jesus, just speak a word. That's enough. And then he explained, I'm a man of authority myself. I have many people under me. Now listen to this. You heard this before, but listen, please. I'm going to help you. When I say to a servant, go, he goes. When I say to him, come, he comes. When I say, do this, he does it. Why is he saying that? This is an expression of his faith. He knows that Jesus standing there. When Jesus says something, when he sends his word, it's the same as if Jesus himself would go into the house, into the life of the servant. This man, he had a revelation that... My, my. If we understand, when we understand as a church, when we understand, and we appreciate this revelation as believers, it's actually going to change a lot in our lives. You know, I'm a firm believer of speaking the word of God. I believe that we are supposed to confess whatever God says. I believe it's true when it says that he sended his word and he healed them. I believe that the word and Jesus, they are one. I believe that the word, the Holy Spirit and Jesus, they are one. I even believe that Jesus is the word. I believe so. I really believe it's possible to change situation by speaking the word of God. And I do believe that when you and I as the body of Christ, as we are today, because today we are the body of Christ. Can we agree about that? 
And today, you and I, we are His mouthpiece in this world. Can we agree about that? We are His voice into this world. We are His voice into Manchester, into England, into Europe, into the world. And when the word is in our hearts. Now, I, I keep bumping into people quite regularly. Who come to me with a long face. And they say, Brother Bank, I don't believe in that confession stuff. Talking and saying the word of God. I've done it. It didn't work. I said, how did you do it? I had a long list of confessions. I'm righteousness in God. I do it two times a day. I said, you know, maybe you didn't understand it. He said, what? You know, it's all about relationship. What do you mean? Yeah, I mean, it's not talking about you being a parrot. I just ate a parrot. No, I didn't. I mean, what the Bible is talking about, it's not talking about us being superficial or just pretending different things. Like some people come and say, oh yeah, I believe this, blah, 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 and just talk like a parrot, like somebody, they just learn from somebody else what to say. But I say, you know, that, that's not what it's all about. What it's all about is what you have in your heart. You see, what, what is in your heart, if the word is in your heart, if the truth is in your heart, then if it's, it's, it's built up on a relationship together with Jesus, built up on a relationship together with the Holy Spirit, then there is not an issue. Then this is what will come out of your mouth. But then you need to understand that when you speak, things will happen. I said, it will happen. When you speak, things will happen. I'll tell you a funny story. I have two grandchildren. Soon I have three. And I guess in a few years I will have 20. I don't know. Just keep pumping up. But some time ago, I'm a grandfather. You know, a grandfather is a grandfather. And I, I like being a grandfather. I love it. It's fun. And uh, my grandson, he, he uh, is a couple of years old. And, and um, some time ago, I had a privilege being invited on my daughter to be babysitting together with my wife for 36 hours. <laughs> I haven't been with those small creatures for many, many years. I've forgotten everything. And, uh, you know... Babies or, or, or small children, they have nappies. <laughs> now, I told my daughter, I will, this is, I will never do that. You know, I'll never change that. That you have to take care of. I said, Daddy, it's 36 hours. Yeah, but he shouldn't have nappies anyway. He's like a big boy. Yeah, but we are working on it. So, so when we came to the house, I said to my, now some of you will think I'm bad. And probably I am a little bit. I said to my wife, you know, okay, they are working on this guy getting off his nappies. Why don't we just agree in faith? <laughs> we can move mountains by faith. We can move nappies. <laughs> so I said, you know what we do? We, we just make a decision. We agree together that when those 36 hours is over, this guy will not have nappies anymore. He will be deliberated and he will go to the loop. And my wife, she's a woman of faith, and we agreed. And she said, but you're going to have to be responsible for it. I said, yes, no problem. So I said to this little boy, I said, his name is Noah. Noah, come, sit on granddaddy's lap. 
he came. He likes me. We have much fun together. And I teach him a lot of bad things also. But anyway, <laughs> I lo- he looked at me, and I looked at him and said, hey, you're a big man. He said, yes, I'm a big boy. Yeah. You know what? Big boys don't have nappies. <laughs> and he said, no, big boys don't have nappies. And then his favorite book is a book about a fire, a fire, fire soldier and a policeman. And a fireman and a policeman. So, so I started reading this book about fireman. And I said, hey, Noah, look at this fireman. This fireman is a big boy. He doesn't have nappies. <laughs> and he said, no, he doesn't have nappies. I said, you are a fireman. He said, yes, I'm a fireman. And then he said, fireman don't have nappies. I said, no, fireman don't have nappies. And then I pointed at the police. This is the police. Look at the police. He doesn't have nappies. And he said, no, police don't have nappies. I said, you're a police. He said, I'm a police. He said, and you don't have nappies. No, I don't have nappies, he said. And then I said, say after me. And he said, okay, I don't have nappies. He said, I don't have nappies. I said, you're a fireman. He said, I'm a fireman. A fireman don't have nappies. And then he said, a police don't have nappies. And then I said, maybe it's bad, but I said, thieves, only thieves have nappies. He says, only thieves have nappies. <laughs> police don't have nappies. And you know what happened? Now you think I'm insane. Maybe I'm a little bit. I'm from Sweden. We're like that. But you know what happened? After one and a half hour of this very interesting conversation, this guy started walking around in an apartment. I'm a fireman. I don't have nappies. And he took his nappies off. And I thought, Mama Mia. And then, then he came to me and he says, nappies is bad. I said, yes, nappies is bad. He walks around for six hours, seven hours. Don't need nappies. And then his little sister, very little girl, she come running. And she's like a parrot. She runs after him and says, Nappies is bad. Nappies is bad. Nappies is bad. And she ran into the bathroom where they have the storage of all the nappies. And they take all the nappies on the floor. And they start dancing around on the nappies. And they said, nappies is bad. And Noah said, I'm a policeman. I don't have nappies. I'm a big man. Only thieves have nappies. And you know what happened? When 36 hour was ended. This guy was deliberated. He hasn't used a nappy since that time. Not even at night time. When his mother came home, my daughter. He came to her. Stood like this. I'm a policeman. And she looked at him. What? I'm a big boy. I don't have nappies. <laughs> and then she went to the, they had a kind of baby, you know where they can be at daytime when the mother is working. I don't know the name of it. Daycare center. What? Nursery. <laughs> when he came to the nursery, she, he came to the, the leader, of the boss of the nursery. I don't know the name of him. <laughs> <laughs> I never had kids in nursery. I, I was never in a nursery myself. So. And he stood in front of her and he looked. 
And he said, I'm a policeman. <laughs> I don't have nappies. And then he said, only thieves have nappies. <laughs> so she called my daughter and she said, what have happened with your son? You know what he said? And she told what he said. And then she said, oh, it's my, it's my father. He's a little bit wild, you know. But then she said, you must greet your father and said, whatever he did, it worked. Because he doesn't need any nappies. He's totally, totally, whatever you call it, dry. Dry. And, you know, I like that story. Because we are talking faith here. You know what? <laughs> when you speak from your heart, when you speak the truth from your heart, things are changed. You know, and, and uh, what this centurion believed when it comes to Jesus, he believed that when Jesus would say that word, speak that truth, it would be the same as Jesus being present himself. Now, Jesus marveled about that faith. Have you ever thought about this? Wouldn't it be great to cause Jesus to marvel about your faith? Jesus is saying, when I come back, will I then find faith? I always say when I read this, yes, you will. You will find faith. When I read this, you know, I, I, I want to say, actually, I, I don't just want you to find faith. I want you to marvel over the faith that you will find. Because I want you to find believers like myself, like you, who actually is so committed to your word, who is so committed to the revelation from your word, so that we really believe that when we speak those words, it literally happens. Because we believe you are in the word. We believe the spoken word carry with it the power and the anointing and the authority of Jesus Christ. We believe it. It's not just like we say it and we try it out or we test it. Maybe it works or maybe it doesn't work. But we are doing that out of this relationship we have with Jesus. So when we are opening up our mouths, we are actually releasing what is on the inside of us. So it's not we take something from outside and we kind of work with it in our head and then we deliver it. But we deliver it from the inside of us. And when we do that, that word will actually work. And it will do whatever that word is sent for. You know... I know in my heart that we have people here and you, you are actually in the same situation that I explained before. You thought, I tried this out. I confessed now for so long time that I should have a new work, that I should 
have his provision and so and so. But I'm, I'm, I haven't seen him. You know what God wants to do today? He doesn't want to say to you, oh, no, I give you another message. No, he wants to say to you that this truth is valid for you. He wants you to take that back. But this time, take it in your heart. Get it established in your heart. Get it established with the relationship you have with Jesus. Mm. Understand what when the scripture says that out of your inner man, out of your heart, rivers of living water will come. Understand when it says in the Proverbs that from out of your heart life comes. That's the source of life. Understand that everything there, it starts within your heart. Your scriptures, your remas, your promises, they have to be established in your heart. It's not enough with your head. It needs to be sinking down into your spirit so that when you are awake at night, when you wake up in the morning, those are the words that you have a relationship together with. They are more close to you than the worries, than the pain that is in your body, or they are more close to you than the fears that is around in your head or in your soul or in your body even. Those words and those promises, they are intimate to Together with you. They are one with you. I said they are one with you. Just as Jesus is one with you. So that nobody can take that away from you. Because it's an established fact in your heart. Those things belongs to you. Doesn't matter what the word says on the outside. Those things are there together with you. You are safe. Those promises is for you. By the stripes of Jesus. You are healed. I said you are healed. God is your provider. He is your shepherd. You see. When I. When I was in this place in North Africa. A few, few weeks ago. I learned to know a man of God. It's one of those you never read about him in any magazine whatsoever because what he's doing is forbidden and secret. He's a man of God. We were walking together and I loved the man. He's, he's a cool guy. And he looked at me one day and he said to me like this. He said, Bengt, you know, not dangerous the Holy Spirit had started to prepare my life he said uh -huh. so, what do you mean you know I know that one day not many years from now I'm going to die a marcher's death I looked at him and said, okay and he didn't look like oh. he looked like this and, you know, I've been thinking, I must do it the best way. I never heard anyone talk like that in my whole life. I, I want to give it maximum effect. I want as many people as possible. 
to be saved because I give my life. And he asked me, are you thinking in a similar way? <laughs> I said, well, no problem, but I will think now when you told me. But then he said, but you see, it's so wonderful because the Holy Spirit is doing so many things in my life, he said. And I love Jesus so much, you know. But, but it, it would, I'm thinking, I want to do it the right way. I want to, I want to. I want my life to give birth to a strong church here in this country. I want this generation of, of people that don't know anything about Jesus. I want them to hear about Jesus. And I'm willing to do anything for it. Is it? And he was kind of just preaching his heart out. I was just standing. Well, yes. I understand what you mean, you know. And then I was thinking, you know. A lot of people in, in, in Western Europe, we are thinking more how the Holy Spirit is doing this manifestation here or... He's giving me ghost bumps on this side today. It's a little bit different. But when I saw him and I looked at his eyes and his face and his whole expression, it was like he was a free man. It was like, yeah. And I, I said to him, and I said to God also, because... I'm willing to do that as well. I, mean, I don't know if we will die as much. I, I actually, I sometimes thinking about how I will die. I, I'm not suicidal, don't think. I'm, I love life. <laughs> but sometimes I think, how will this whole thing end? I mean, if we land one day, we know. If Jesus doesn't come, he snaps us up before. But if we die before, I mean, we'll die in one way or another. But, but I'm, I'm thinking, I know a way I will not die. I will not die in front of television. Never. <laughs> No, just imagine, you're sitting in front on television looking at Condemnation Street with a beer in your hand. <laughs> and then it's over. What a, what, a, what a life, you know. You come before Jesus, you can smell the beer in your mouth. And, and you just see, I, I never seen that Condemnation Street. I don't know where it is, but I, I guess it's bad. Sounds bad. That would be the worst place of dying for me. You know, it would be good to die in preaching somewhere with a smile it's good to have a right perspective on life Jesus is wonderful I said Jesus is wonderful 